Hello, this is Mercy West, and welcome to For Your Pleasure. I am an adult performer and companion, uh, although my in-person companion work is on hold due to the pandemic, obviously. Other than that, I'm just hoping that you're healthy and happy and safe. Thanks for joining me here, and today's episode is going to be just a pile of questions. I A while ago, I uh, put a prompt out on my Twitter, at uh, underscore mercywest underscore, <coughs> pardon me, and uh, it was just asking people if they had any questions about me being non-binary, my journey to discovering uh, that I was non-binary or that I am non-binary and pansexual, um, because although it it might not be the case for everyone else, they really are heavily um, connected for me, and um, the story, it's sort of the same path that I went along to figure out both. Although they are, I guess the stories are a little different, but they're pretty much the same. Anyway, um, and I got some really interesting, uh, really thoughtful questions, and I would like to take the time to answer some of those questions. Um, I originally wanted to do this as like a sort of end wrap up to me talking about my journey and just giving the story flat out. But I honestly haven't had the emotional energy to be able to do that right now. And I know that doesn't make sense to some people, but, you know, I, I it's just a, when you find yourself starting to go over your story, you, you start to remember so many things. And it's just a real real journey to go through that's, that's kind of tough for some people, for most people, I would argue. Um, but... <coughs> Uh, so that'll be another episode another time, but I didn't want to ignore these questions, and I love answering questions from people, and um, I'm sort of doing this on the fly. I have the, f- the questions screen capped. I haven't really thought about this beforehand. I know I have answers to these questions, but I realize that if I sit and think about them too much, I start to get too much in my own head about what I think other people want to hear and what I should say, and really I should just give my honest response. And yeah, so let's see here. I want to start with some Twitter questions, and I will, these are just, I'm just going to keep them anonymous. There wasn't a request either way, but I'm just going to keep them anonymous um, for now. Uh, And let's see, the first one here, I'll start to read. My first question, and this is from a parent that has uh, two children who are, you know, between the ages of 10 and 15, who identify, uh, who started to... Uh, identify as trans at about uh, 12. Uh, Their first question is, did you know what you identified as, who you were right away? What was the process like? This can be, this could be a pretty lengthy question um, and something that I will talk more at length about in an episode where I just talk about my journey in general. Um, But I would say from a very young age, I had trouble understanding people's beliefs and ideas around the concept of gender and sexuality, Um, and that that came up 
at a very young age, and it had nothing to do with miseducation or um, my type of upbringing. I was fairly well informed when it came to those type of topics, um, sex and gender and uh, biological stuff. Um, But it just, it wasn't something that made solid sense to me. And um, I think I mentioned that one of the first times I really, really realized that there was something different about me, that I, I couldn't, I didn't feel like a girl. Um, and I couldn't put it in, I couldn't put it in those words at that time, for sure. But it was when I had um, my first high school boyfriend who <laughs> um, we ended up meeting because we had the same gym class and he liked my bright yellow and neon, or sorry, my bright pink and neon green socks that I was wearing. I was wearing some knee-high socks because I hated the gym uniforms and I didn't like the gray and I think it was gray and maroon. I'm not sure what the, what the colors were, but I hated them. So I wore crazy socks to gym and he just like came over to me one day with his head full of curly hair and his beautiful full lips and his lovely eyes and his very lengthy skinny physique and was just like, you know, oh, I like your, I like your socks, and I said, yeah, thank you, that's cool, I, I like your hair, and then we hung out at lunch, and then we just decided to, like, never leave each other's side, <laughs> and that meant boyfriend and girlfriend at that time, um, when really it was just, we were both super gay and really terrified, uh, and I hope they're doing okay, you know, I really, I really do, I hope they're doing great now, uh, but <clears throat> that was the first time that, you know, I dated them, we didn't do anything <laughs> physical, of course, and that didn't really bother me. Um, but then they came out to me one day when we were like the only people left over in the gym. Uh, we had like a basement gym at my school and we were just kind of hanging out, sitting on the mats, waiting for like the teacher to yell at us to get out of there. And uh, they came out to me as bisexual. And I was just like, okay, well, doesn't that mean that you can still date me? And I'm you know, and they're like, well, I guess when I say bisexual, I guess I mean I'm gay, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I really like you, and I don't feel like a girl anyway, and I don't, I mean, I'm way cooler than any of the other guys that anyone thinks is gay at school, (laughs) and I mean, you know, I was aware of toys and other things, and you know, like, I knew I could have a penis, like, you know, it wasn't, anything more than that, but I knew I could, and I I knew that wasn't necessarily what he meant, it was, you know, wanting to experiment and be himself and do other things, and that's fine, but I was just so utterly confused, like, I'm way more interesting than than anyone else, and I already know you like me, and I really don't feel like a girl anyway, but I didn't, it wasn't really conflicting feelings, because I had a really supportive upbringing, so anything that I had a really supportive upbringing in half of my family. The other half of my family wasn't supportive, but I didn't spend as much time with them. So um, as much as things like that would come up, it was never anything that I would like have a bunch of angst over because I knew that my mother supported me and I knew I had friends that cared about me. And you know, as long as you have that stuff, you're fine mostly, um, depending on your home situation for sure. But so I, I just knew from a young age that, you know, that wasn't really, I didn't really feel like a girl, and I didn't really, and I did have crushes on girls, but I didn't feel like a girl who liked girls, and I definitely didn't, at the time I didn't feel like a boy, I don't know, I just didn't feel like anything, I guess, and um, 
So from there on, just because, you know, my mom was supportive and I would think like one of the most poignant things that I could say about her, you know, expressing her support of me, even just when I was really young, this is younger than, you know, this is after my boyfriend came out to me or before my boyfriend came out to me, far, far before, I remember just being so upset because people at school were calling me a boy because I think I had short hair and a big nose or, you know, something. And I, I guess it was probably around the time that people were getting, getting tits and I, I didn't have tits. And, um imagine that but anyway so I was really upset and my mom you know went like well you know they're calling you a boy how do you feel about boys and I said I like boys boys are awesome and she said well then you shouldn't be offended they're just calling you another gender it's not really you know anything to take offense at you think boys are attractive and nice and you've met good ones and bad ones just like you've met good girls and bad girls and you know not that it's that black and white, but you know, I'm little again, so, um, <clears throat> at the time, but really that really struck me and always stuck with me where I'm like, oh, it can't be an insult if it's not something that bothers me. And that went through, you know, the whole period of uh, being in the late nineties, early two thousands, mid nineties, early two thousands of just everyone using gay as a slur and this and that. And it's just, <laughs> it never ended up bothering me because I was like, oh, well, I'm not offended by it. And it's not a bad thing to be in there. Just stupid for calling me that. So you know, it comes down to having supportive parents, people who love you, and yeah, it was a tough journey. There's a lot more that goes into it than, you know, being confused when my boyfriend came out to me, like why he would need to leave me. Um, it comes down to me being able to freely experiment with my hair, my clothes, and be honest with the people that were closest to me without uh, fearing judgment and stuff like that. Um, and that's, I could go on for another, I'm sure, 40, 50 minutes about that, but I'm, I'm going to move on to the next question. So yeah, it was, I mean, I didn't know technically, oh, that's another part of this question. I technically didn't know the words, and who knows, my words may, my words for myself, my labels for myself may evolve, may change, but at the moment, you know, non-binary came to me just three or four four years ago maybe I had had the feelings and I, I ended up um, matching on a dating site with a um, a non-binary trans uh, man and they you know we had a really great time and we were sitting and sharing experiences and I realized so many of their experiences reflected my own and it really sent me on an introspective journey and it you know I came it came out really positive on the other end because I was just in a very positive and loving relationship and it already sort of resigned or known knew that I I wasn't I wasn't a girl <laughs> and so it was nice to be able to just put words to it and feel comfortable and have someone else be like oh yeah no that's totally a relatable feeling and I I wouldn't blame you you know for um possibly exploring you being non-binary, um, and I also had a therapist also, uh, probably maybe a few years before that even, that really said like, you know, make sure to explore with your gender and, and, and you know, I, I totally support that because that seems like something that's something you want to do and it really was and they were very supportive and they just told me it was okay and there was no reason I should feel bad and everything was just fine and I, I, I used them to sort of as a sounding board and, you know, I, I support therapy 100% if you can, if you have access to it, if you're able to get yourself together and, and feel like you can speak to someone professionally and you have access to a kink 
um, positive sex positive, uh, alternative relationship positive, trans positive, um, uh, therapist, if you have access to that, please utilize it. I've met so many people that have access but are just terrified and it's worth going through the, the pain and the terror of unfolding and unwrapping all of your, um, trauma because it, it helps you figure out who you are and what you really want out of life. And again, I will probably do, uh, and that's not for everyone, but, uh, but, but again, I will probably do another, um, podcast on therapy on its own. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I'm gonna pick pick another question here. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. What support and resources do you wish you had back then? Um, you know, I, in the town that I grew up in, although it wasn't like super progressive, I did have like a queer center. I did have a couple of movie theaters and um, like community spaces where I could go that would play films, that would have meetups. Um, and I went to them occasionally, occasionally, but I was so uncomfortable when I was younger, really reaching out to those resources and taking part in them and going to the meetups because I just, I didn't feel like qualified. And I know that sounds silly now, and so many people feel that way into their 20s and 30s and 40s. Um, I just, you know, I always felt that I was like, I was a visitor and I didn't qualify, even though at the time I knew I was bisexual, at the very least, I knew, I've always known I was bisexual, I knew I like, I liked people regardless of who they were, I knew I was, I didn't have the word pansexual, I prefer pansexual now, but at the time I just knew I could use bisexual as an overarching term to say that I was fine with dating whoever, and whether or not I told people I was bisexual, that was another story for a long time. It just wasn't worth it to tell people because it would just lead to a bunch of questions and a bunch of bullshit. <clears throat> and I realized that felt awful to not be able to tell people. And um, yeah, so I had resources. I, I mostly, I was a loner, so I did a lot of internet research. Not having internet restrictions really helped. Um, being able to use the sites that I needed to, being able to explore, um, when I was of the proper age, uh, pornography or adult blogs and other stuff like that, uh, because as much as people hate to really think about that, I, it's, it's helpful when thinking and dealing, thinking about and dealing with your sexuality and other stuff, like healthy representations of what you might be interested in are really just so, so helpful. And I don't think I had that many. So honestly, better porn. And I think we're all making that. So I wish I had better porn. Um, and I know that's probably not going to hit some people all that, uh, you know, perfectly. But I had all the other resources, but I didn't have good representations of just people doing what I wanted to do and enjoying themselves at the time. And that would have been really great. And so maybe that's where my drive to make content is not, not to show to younger viewers, but to give people uh, who are older and exploring their own sexuality and their own needs a space to be able to do that that's safe and real and genuine and positive um, regardless of the kink so <clears throat> that is the answer to my question there <laughs> sorry for clearing my throat I, I smoke a lot of weed um, <clears throat> so that's all the questions from that person let's see Oh, no, wait, I have a couple more questions here. Here we go. I'm so bad at this. 
Um, any experiences where someone was trying to be supportive but came off as tone-deaf, patronizing, or otherwise clueless? Advice on how not to do this. I can't really give you advice other than just listen. Talking to people is helpful. Giving advice is helpful. But really most of the time when people give it, when people are struggling with gender and, gender and sexuality, when people who haven't dealt with the same type of internal struggles try to give advice, it doesn't really come off as helpful because you haven't necessarily struggled with it. So just listening and just saying that you're supportive and that you're there for them and that you, you know, you're there to help in any way that you can. Um, it's really the best thing that you can do in those situations. And yeah, sometimes people come off as tone deaf. I've never really had anybody come off as patronizing that I knew really well, maybe strangers, um, but not anybody that I know well. As long as you really are well-meaning and you really have their best interest in mind, that will come off. That will outweigh any sort of awkwardness or you know anything you, that you think is negative. It, it will come through if you really care and you're just asking these questions out of concern genuine concern and not just concern on how their choices are going to reflect on you as a parent. Genuine concern for who they are and to make sure that they get what they need and they are able to form into the human that they want to be, to be able to be themselves and to be able to explore who they are freely. So yeah, that's my answer to that question. Uh, and then I have one more from this person, just one more. Um, it says, lastly, did your parents ever have to deal with explaining how you identified to other family members? How did that go and how did they deal with it? Where uh, were you involved in how that message and conversation went? So, I, like I said, I didn't have words to describe myself and I knew I was bisexual from a very young age. My situation was that I had a divorced parents one side of the family was very progressive and liberal. The other side was very right-wing and conservative. It didn't matter what they thought. It really didn't. It comes down to, you know, the same sort of what, what, what my, what my right-wing conservative part of the family thought because my supportive family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they knew that it was important for me to be myself. It was important for me to know who I was. And so that trumped everything else. So if the other side of the family was going to be shitty about it, then you just didn't talk about it necessarily. I'm not saying this is what you should do if you have supportive family that you think will be receptive, but really it would just cause more problems if I came out to my dad as bisexual. You know, my mom knew. My mom knew I was kinky and bi and all this stuff from like, just, you know, I lived with her and we were very close, but it just comes down to, you know, you have to gauge the situation. If you think they'll be receptive, then yeah, I think maybe they'll probably be more receptive to a mixed conversation that involves you as well as your, um, as your kids, uh, because that makes it seem more of like a group effort and they're less likely to say that it's something that you're dictating or something that they're making up and that you're letting them kind of go along with, you know, they could probably use your support when talking about things. Um, and kids are pretty articulate. As much as, you know, you want to protect them and you want to sometimes talk over them or reword things so people will understand them better, I, kids kids know what they want to tell people. They know how they want people to perceive them. And, you know, especially now, uh, people have a lot more confidence. And so, yeah, I would say just be, being there for support 
and making sure that they aren't attacked by the family member and that they aren't treated poorly because you can quickly end that conversation. It may not be as easy for someone who's younger to end an abusive or negative conversation that's happening with another adult, but if you're there in the room and they're just getting talked over and trampled on and disrespected, you can end the situation or intervene. Um, But really just being supportive and also asking asking them, asking your children what they want. Do they want to be involved? If they don't want to be involved at all, but you think it would be better if they were and you force them to be, then that might not be the best situation for your specific child if they really insist on being involved, but you think that it's not best for them to be involved and you would be able to sort of put a more rational uh, view on everything, be able to sort of calm the family member down, like maybe you know the family member better um, and they're more receptive to you, but if they really want to talk to the family member, then having set, setting up that discussion and maybe having it you know, who knows, maybe it'll go well, maybe it'll go poorly, but either way, it's a learning experience and you're there to support your kid. And again, if you know people are dangerous, like don't put your kid in a dangerous situation, but really talk to them, formulate a plan with them. And in my situation, it was just a lot easier to know that I had half of my family that was extremely supportive and that the other half just wasn't going to understand, that it wasn't something that they were going to get, that I was a different type of person, not a better person, but a different person. And I mean, sometimes it's just not worth the pain and agony that asking people to accept you, you know, causes. And I know that sounds silly and I'm going to get shit for that, but if you're never going to change their mind, wasting the energy on trying to, you know, when you could put that energy into yourself, into your kids, into your own life it just doesn't seem worth it to me. Um, convincing, you know, I think I, I think I said that right. I'm sorry if that came off negative. My brain's a little all over because of stress, anxiety brain, but, um, but yeah, just it's, it's worth it to spend time with your kids and to not fight with relatives about how people can identify and your parenting technique, you know. Um, <clears throat> so let's see. We have a couple more questions here. That was the first person that asked questions and that was really great and thank you for hitting me up on Twitter and I'm gonna make sure I contact that person and let them know I answered their questions. Um, And this section of questions comes from a client of mine that I've met in person that I've had a really great time with who treats me very well and is extremely sweet. Um, And it says, let's see. I saw on Twitter that you were looking for questions regarding realizing you are pansexual and non-binary. One thing I always find interesting when talking with other LGBTQ people is whether their discovery was immediate or something that developed over time. And I did mean LGBTQ+. Um, It is, as I stated before, it's something, my understanding of what was going on was something that developed over time and really reaching out to other queer and trans communities and involving myself with people that had different identities when before I had sort of been dealing with issues with compulsory heterosexuality and, and, you know, realizing I really needed to just break out of my shell, stop 
fucking cis men all the time and um, just meet different people. And so really it took me breaking out of my shell and getting comfortable with meeting new kinds of people, different people that identified differently than me, people that lived in different types of communities and had different types of interactions with people. And, you know, and overall just people that were really accepting of sex work as well, because I had been kind of mired in trying to get people to be accepting of sex work who are really uncomfortable with it. And that's really not going to work generally. Sometimes it does. I'm not saying in your situation it can't, but trying to make a relationship work when someone's really uncomfortable with what you do for day-to-day business is very hard. Um, So yeah, it was over time that I figured out how to to express how I felt, Uh, but I knew from a very young age that I wasn't a girl and that being a girl was hard for me, but I thought it was just hard for everyone. (laughs) That's something I I will talk about again down the line. <clears throat> and then I have one more which says at least for me realizing I was bi was kind of a mix of, mix of both I, inst- I distinctly remember back in high school when I went to a musical in New York City in which I was quite attracted to two of the actors despite them being two different genders then looking back on my life before that point I realized there were quite a few clues here and there so in some ways it was always there but there was definitely a distinct point where it clicked in my mind Anyway, I just thought it would be something interesting to, to, to discuss. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I can relate to that for sure. I went to live performances a lot with my grandparents who sold antiques and I had a weird old house and they would take me to ballets and Broadway shows and stuff. And personally, I was obsessed with the ballerinas and I loved going and seeing things like the Nutcracker because then you could hang out and like get them to sign your playbill afterwards. And I would get them to sign my playbill, but I would get to see their makeup and their feet and the, or their like uh, shoes up close because they were either holding them or, you know, and they were walking in their bare feet. And I just remember being like, oh my God, I totally love the idea that they hurt their feet and they sacrificed some of their health for their art. And like, oh, just seeing how busted up they were and how thick the makeup was and how tired they were and like uh, and that definitely has to do with kinks as well with the foot stuff but really I just remember that like thinking people are the same all these people worked just as hard they all do the same thing like and I'm attracted to all of them because they're all in skin tight costumes and makeup that's running down their face because they've been sweating all night and oh my god oh my god so I can definitely remember having crushes on actors seeing them in person and then oh getting into drama and being a drama kid Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that for me, it was a slow burn of really finding out who I was and being able to be myself. And there's so much more to talk about. And I really, the only advice I can give if, if anyone's listening that's like really struggling with stuff, like take a step back and uh, realize that, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter what other people think. You, you know, just consensually interact and be intimate with people that you're attracted to, personality and physically. Realize that your preferences don't exist in a vacuum and that some of them are rooted in, in strange biased, biased, you know, thinking patterns that were sort of oh, uh, jackhammered into our heads as, as youths. And, um, 
you know, just really be introspective. You know, don't don't blame other people for your frustrations. <sighs> you know, and that's different if you've had trauma scenarios and you're trying to figure out, you know, what's a reaction to, to trauma and what's inherently you. I know that's a struggle. Um, and I know those are very, it's a gray area. It's not just black and white. So I understand that that's a thing too, but really just let yourself relax and be who you want to be. Try not to stress labels too much. I know, I know that can be a hard thing, but just don't guilt yourself for doing what you need to do, especially now to get through the thing and get through what's going on now. We need to just be able to be ourselves. And so, so let yourself be yourself. I suggest writing or, you know, uh, audio journaling or just regular journaling, you know, just, just, um, <clears throat> really try to take this time. If you're not too stressed about bills and, and living situations and other stuff to just just be okay with yourself. Just be in yourself. Just live with yourself. And I, uh, I know that's just done wonders for me. When I was, I used to be extremely insecure and think that I wasn't worth anyone's time and that I wasn't worth half the attention that I get online. And you know, really just sitting with who you are and and trying to understand what having a life and what, what being happy means to you. That's a worthwhile pursuit. And I know for a fact, just keeping the people around me happy, being happy myself, having enough to just survive and be, not be constantly worried, which isn't the case at the moment, which I wish it was, but it's not. Um, you know, that's those are my goals. I, I don't, I, I didn't go and graduate college. I might go back eventually to do like general ed stuff, but I, I'm not looking to graduate college. I I want to travel. That's like a vague goal, but you know, it's okay to just exist, to just want to have a pain-free or nearly painless existence and just be able to like be yourself and be happy. And it is possible in this world, but you have to work for it, very hard for it and you'll lose friends and you'll lose family, just like I have. But to some people, it's worth it to be able to live your authentic self and create a life that makes you feel solid and whole and like you're contributing. Sometimes you have to leave people behind. Sometimes you have to disconnect or give up on relationships that you've been trying to salvage since you were fucking 14. <laughs> you know, it's it's not your responsibility anymore. Your responsibility is to take care of yourself, especially now. And I'm saying drop shitty people. Keep good people in your life. <laughs> um, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Check me out on Twitter. Send me more questions. I'll answer them. I know those necessarily weren't super diverse, but it's a start. Um, I started an OnlyFans, so check that out. Uh, and 
Yeah, I don't know. Other than that, just stay safe, stay healthy, stay the fuck inside if you can. And if you can't, if you have to go to work, if you're working at a grocery store, a pharmacy, if you're working in a hospital, whether you're a doctor, a janitor, um, working at a weed store, working at a liquor store. I know there are other people I missed, but just uh, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do, and I appreciate it. And you make it possible for me to stay safe. And I really wish the government was doing more for you. I love you all. And I will be updating more and more frequently because I'm stuck inside for like the next God knows how long. So <laughs> have a good rest of your day and try to do something good for yourself. Something indulgent something ridiculous, something cringe. Just do it because you deserve it. Mm -hmm.